everybody welcome to the 66th episode of our world news podcast this podcast along with all of our other news episodes is part of atlas news check out the lethal minds journal a veteran and active duty publication focusing on foreign and military affairs art and culture take a look at the journal's bulletin from the borderlands a bi-weekly foreign affairs publication from multiple talented intelligence analysts and independent journalists head over to lethalmindsjournal.substack.com or instagram at lethal.minds.journal to see more please consider supporting us on patreon patreon.com slash analyze educate ko-fi ko-fi.com slash analyze educate or at substack analyzeeducate.substack.com just got out the first article on the substack and it is looking at uh, california governor gavin newsom's trip to china recently and some of the implications of that and that's a collaboration i did with sino talk of course he's the indo-pacific desk chief for the lethal minds journal any support you guys throw us uh, helps us out a lot and we really appreciate all of it and with that being said we'll head into the news All right, just a couple quick notes before we get started off here. You guys have helped us reach over 27,000 downloads and over 1,700 followers on Spotify. So thank you very much for that. Also, our friends at Aegis Group are running a deal on executive protection. If you're looking to go to Tulum, Mexico in the future and want a little extra security, all executive protection details to Tulum are 50% off if they're booked by December 31st this year. Send an email to Info at agesgroupsus.com. Again, that's info groups. Again, that's info at agesgroupsus.com. All right, starting off here with Europe and Eurasia, we're looking at Spain. Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez will retain his position after the snap elections in July. Sanchez's PSOE, the Spanish Socialist Workers Party, did not get enough seats in the parliament to have a majority and form a government. So so for the past couple months, it hasn't really been clear who would take over for him. Now, Sanchez will remain in power after striking a deal with Catalonian separatist parties. For those that don't know, Catalonia is an autonomous community in Spain with a unique culture and language. The region has had a long-running independence movement, which has picked up some steam since the 2010s. Pro-separatist parties heavily represent the region in the Spanish parliament, Sanchez's deal with one of those parties, together for Catalonia, also known as the Junts, will include general amnesty for Catalonian separatists that organized and executed an independence referendum in the region in 2017. Many of those organizers are currently in prison, awaiting trial, or have fled the country. This includes the Junts leader, Carlos Puigdemont. The specifics of the deal have not been made public yet, but the law giving amnesty is expected to be introduced in Parliament this week. The deal has led to mass protests around the country, particularly by anti-separatists. Hundreds of thousands of people have taken part in these demonstrations. This is due in part to Sanchez stating in the past that he would never support such amnesty. Those against Catalonian independence see it as a threat to Spanish nationhood. The heaviest protests have been seen in Madrid. Clashes have taken place between police and demonstrators in the city. And on Sunday in the city, the Spanish People's Party and Vox, which are two leading right-wing parties, led protests numbering anywhere from 80 to 500,000 people. Party leaders say that the protests will not stop until new elections are held. Tensions were also heightened after Alejo Vidal Cuadras, the leader of Vox, a major right-wing party, as I was saying, 
who's actually the founder of Fox. I'm sorry, he's no longer the leader, but he was shot in the face uh, in a motorcycle drive-by in Madrid over the week. He is believed to be in stable condition. The vote to form a new government in the Spanish parliament will take place on November 16th, so we will get you guys an update on the next episode. Moving on to France, Mohamed Maguchkov, the 20-year-old who stabbed a French teacher to death in Arras on the, quote, day of jihad last month, claims that he was acting on behalf of the Islamic State. We have previously covered this attack when it happened. Maguchkov is a Russian man from the heavily Muslim region of Ingushetia. He, along with his father, were under surveillance by DGSI, which is France's domestic intelligence agency. The killing caused France to deploy an additional 7,000 troops around the country. Since the October 7th attack in Israel, over 102 people in France have been arrested for committing anti-Semitic acts or supporting terrorism, and that's according to the Interior Ministry. Separately on the 12th, Captain Matthew Gayot of the French Army's 4th Special Forces Helicopter Regiment was killed in a training incident. Moving on to Latvia, Latvia summoned the Russian ambassador to the country after a Russian aircraft violated Latvian airspace on the 6th. The aircraft returned to Russian airspace soon after, and that's pretty much all we got on that. Taking a look at the South Caucasus, Azerbaijan has demanded in the past week that Armenia hands over eight villages that it refers to as quote-unquote occupied. Azerbaijan accused Armenia of, quote, hindering peace agreement negotiations and, quote, choosing to threaten the lives of our citizens, end quote. When referring to the eight villages and the peace process between the two countries, Baku said that, quote, despite its obligations, not only has Armenia not withdrawn its armed forces, which remain the main threat to peace and security in the region, it continues to support them financially and has not refrained from the illegal transfer of weapons, military equipment, landmines to the territories of Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan has not even specified which villages inside Armenia allegedly belong to it. All that was mentioned was seven villages inside Armenia's Tavush province and one village in the Ararat province. Of course, these villages are not part of Azerbaijan, and as we've talked about before, Azerbaijan's territorial ambitions outside of Nagorno-Karabakh are definitely at the forefront of people's minds in the region. Armenia is being accused of transferring weapons and deploying armed forces to its own land. This rhetoric used by Azerbaijan is similar to the rhetoric they used before invading and ethnically cleansing 120,000 people in Artsakh, the ethnically Armenian-controlled land in Nagorno-Karabakh. That was heavily underreported, but we'll be keeping an eye on that, and we'll give you guys updates as they become available in that situation. Moving on, NATO has suspended involvement in the Treaty on Conventional Armed Forces in Europe, also known as the CFE Treaty. That treaty was ratified in 1992, and it was signed with the collapsing Soviet Union in 1990. It placed a cap on the number of conventional armed forces that could be deployed in Europe with the goal of preventing deployments near borders of signatory countries. Russia suspended its participation in 2007 before the invasion of Georgia in 2008. In 2015, Russia announced its intention to withdraw completely, with that withdrawal being finalized this week. NATO's move to suspend participation is in response to Russia's withdrawal in the invasion of Ukraine, of course. Moving on, we got an update on the Russo-Ukrainian war last week. We reported on a Ukrainian missile attack against the Zaliv shipbuilding yard in Kerch, Crimea. 
At the time of recording on November 4th, last episode, reports were just coming in of a Russian Navy Karkut class Corvette being hit in that strike. We now know those reports were correct. Karkut class Corvette Ashkold was hit by Ukrainian Storm Shadow or Scalp missiles. Photos of the aftermath show the Ashkold was likely damaged beyond the point of economic repair. Therefore, it was basically destroyed. The guide missile Corvette class is fairly new, only entering service in 2018. Of the 16 planned, only four of them are currently active with the Ashkold being put out of commission. Moving on to the Indo-Pacific region, South Korea, President Yoon Sokyo is warning of a, quote, Hamas-style attack against his country from North Korea. During a joint press conference with U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, Yoon drew comparisons between the Korean conflict, the Russo-Ukrainian war, and the Israel-Hamas war. He said that South Korea and the U.S. must be prepared to repel an attack from North Korea and that any provocations would be, quote, resolutely punished. Secretary Austin affirmed that the U.S. would use all military capabilities to defend South Korea as well. Moving on to Japan, the Japanese Ministry of Defense has deployed improved Type 12 surface-to-ship missiles well ahead of schedule. Improvements were made to give the missiles the ability to attack hostile missile bases and also extend the Type 12's range. The improved version was originally supposed to deploy in 2026, but the deployment was brought up due to the tense regional security environment, specifically looking at threats from China and Russia. All right, moving on to the Middle East, looking at Yemen, a U.S. military MQ-9 Reaper drone was shot down by Iranian-backed Houthi rebels while it was flying over the Red Sea over the week. That shootdown was confirmed by the Pentagon. That's pretty much all we have on that. Looking at Iraq, Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a surprise visit to Iraq last Sunday to discuss the security situation in Gaza and attacks against U.S. forces in the region by Iraqi militias. Moving on to Iraq, Secretary of State Antony Blinken made a surprise visit to Iraq last Sunday to discuss the situation in Gaza and attacks against U.S. forces in the region by Iraqi militias. Blinken said that Iraqi Prime Minister Mohammed Shia al-Sudani pledged to help stop the attacks. The visit led to large protests in Tahrir Square in Baghdad. And then, of course, looking at the Israel-Hamas war, we are one month into the war officially. Reported casualties... Looking at Gaza, we have 10,018 killed, 26,905 injured. Looking at Israel, we have 1,463 killed, 7,264 injured. That includes IDF casualties inside Gaza. And then looking at IDF casualties in Gaza specifically, you have 42 killed in action and over 260 wounded. Looking at the West Bank, you have 190 killed, most of those being Palestinians and 2,465 injured. Looking at Lebanon, you have 94 killed, 9 injured. That includes 74 members of Hezbollah. Looking at Syria, you have 16 killed, 12 wounded. And then in Egypt, you have 9 injured for a total of 11,781 people killed and 37,024 people wounded all in one month. Gaza City is currently isolated. Heavy fighting is ongoing as Israeli troops have moved up from the south near Wadi Gaza along the coastline and on another axis from the north near the Al-Shati refugee camp. Al-Shifa Hospital, a major hospital in the city and an alleged command post for Hamas, is nearly encircled. Fighting is also ongoing in Biat Hanun to the northeast. 
The Houthis are still launching munitions at southern Israel, particularly the city of Ilat. Over the week, Israel's Aero 3 anti-ballistic missile system shot down a Houthi ballistic missile. That was the first ever interception by an Aero 3, which is Israel's most advanced homegrown air defense system. Border clashes between Israel and Lebanese Hezbollah have continued, as I alluded to earlier. Hamas's branch in Lebanon has also joined in the clashes by firing rockets at northern Israel cities. Over 241 people are currently being held hostage in Gaza. This includes over 135 citizens of other nations, although most of those have dual citizenship with Israel and another country. So far, still only four hostages have been released. This includes two Americans. Hostage negotiations are still ongoing. The heads of the CIA and Israel's Mossad were in Qatar over the week to meet with Prime Minister Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdurrahman Altani. Try saying that three times. The meeting focused on Qatari efforts to mediate talks between Israel and Hamas, especially as they pertain to hostages. Qatar's emir, Sheikh Tamim bin Hamid Altani, traveled to the UAE as well to meet with President Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed on the Han to discuss the situation. This is notable considering the UAE established ties with Israel in 2020. Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has made his plans for post-war Gaza pretty clear. He said that Israel will, quote, take over overall security responsibility of Gaza indefinitely. Israel has been reluctant to allow the Palestinian Authority to take over right after the war ends, assuming Hamas is defeated. It will not allow UN or other foreign troops to enter Gaza as a peacekeeping force. Some fear that this could mean a future return of Israeli settlements inside Gaza, similar to those that existed before the withdrawal in 2006. Since October 17th, there have been at least 41 drone and rocket attacks on U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria. The Pentagon has confirmed 56 casualties so far. This includes 25 t TBIs. All 56 have since returned to duty, thankfully. U.S. military finally launched a second response to the attacks on the 8th. U.S. Air Force F-16s hit two targets belonging to the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and some of its local proxies. Their first response came on the 27th. There have been multiple daily attacks in between that response, and there have been additional attacks after the second response as well. Moving on, we have an Allied Naval Forces update looking at the general posture in the region. Thank you to Ian Ellis and Into Schizo on Twitter for their infographics. The Israeli Navy currently has two corvettes operating south of Cyprus. The U.S. Navy's forward carrier strike group is also west of Cyprus. The Dwight D. Eisenhower carrier strike group just transited the Suez Canal and is currently in the Gulf of Aden. The Bataan Amphibious Readiness Group is currently in the Red Sea and it will remain there for the time being. French helicopter carrier FS Tonnery, as well as two accompanying French ships, are south of Cyprus. British littoral response group south is near Cyprus as well. NATO standing group two is in the Sea of Crete. The UN task force in Lebanon has five ships currently in the Eastern Mediterranean. And also Dutch patrol vessel HNLMS Holland has been deployed to the Eastern Med to help with humanitarian relief. There are also other at least 16 other ships in the region. This includes U.S. ships that are not currently assigned to a task force. And this also includes Ohio-class submarine USS Florida, which entered the CENTCOM area of responsibility on the 5th. That CENTCOM made sure to put everybody on notice for if you check their social media. 
Moving on to the Eastern Med, generally five U.S. troops were killed when their helicopter crashed off the southeastern coast of Cyprus on Saturday morning. That helicopter was practicing mid-air refueling operations when the incident occurred. The Pentagon has been keeping the major details of the incident pretty quiet for the time being, but the New York Times and Washington Post are reporting that five troops that were killed belonged to the U.S. Army's Special Operations Command, and the helicopter was an MH-60 variant. The military has been deploying special forces. This includes personnel from the Army's Delta Force and Naval Special Warfare Development Group, otherwise known as SEAL Team 6, to Cyprus as part of the contingency force in the eastern Mediterranean. Those forces are on standby in the event that they are called on to rescue hostages in Gaza or conduct evacuations from the region. The names of those killed in the crash have not yet been released, as their families are still being notified. We will take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back with the Americas bulletin from the Borderlands released on November 1st. We covered a potential conflict between Venezuela and Guyana over a centuries-old border dispute. We also covered Venezuelan opposition being banned from taking part in next year's elections. Looking at the U.S., we got a presidential race update. These polls are averages from 538. Biden's approval is at 39 his disapproval is at 55. Approval remains the same. Disapproval is up 1% from last week. Trump's favorability is at 41%. His unfavorability is at 55. Both of those remain the same. Looking at the presidential primary, the Republican primary, Trump is at 56%. He is down three points from last week. DeSantis is at 14. He is up one point. And Nikki Haley is at nine. She is up one point as well. And also, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina actually just announced tonight, about an hour ago, that he is suspending his uh, presidential campaign. He is no longer in the race. Moving on, the B-21 Raider made its first flight on Friday over Palmdale, California. The Raider will be the U.S. Air Force's newest strategic bomber once it enters service. It is supposed to replace the B-1 Lancer and the B-2 Spirit once those platforms retire. Northrop Grumman is expected to receive the first low production contract from the Air Force after its first flight. The Air Force expects that first Raiders will be delivered in the mid-2020s to Ellsworth Air Force Base, which will host the B-21's training unit and will also be its first operating base. Whiteman AFB and Dias AFB will receive bombers at a later time. Tinker AFB will coordinate sustainment of the program and Edwards AFB will lead testing and evaluation. Five other Raiders are currently in production. Moving on, Paul Kessler, a 69-year-old Jewish man, was killed in Thousand Oaks, California during opposing pro-Israel and pro-Palestine protests on November 6th. Kessler was wearing an Israeli flag when he was hit over the head with a megaphone by a pro-Palestine demonstrator, which caused him to fall onto the sidewalk and hit his head. The death was ruled a homicide by an autopsy. The Ventura County Sheriff's Office is currently investigating, although nobody has yet been charged. The third Republican presidential debate was held in Wednesday in Miami, Florida. In the debate, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said that he plans to build a border wall and will have Mexico pay for it by taxing remittances when discussing border security. 
Moving on, on the 7th, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, the Democrat from Michigan, was censured in the House for, quote, promoting false narratives regarding the October 7th, 2023 Hamas attack on Israel and calling for the destruction of the state of Israel, end quote. The Congresswoman, the daughter of Palestinian immigrants from the West Bank, has denied the accusation against her. She has been very vocal against the U.S. government's strong support of Israel, especially from President Joe Biden. The vote to censure her was 234 in favor and 188 opposed. 22 Democrats voted in favor of her censure, and four Republicans were opposed. The government is still fighting over an aid package to Israel. A couple of weeks ago, the House passed a $14.5 billion aid package to the country that was taking funds from the IRS instead of borrowing more money. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the Democrat from New York, said that the bill was dead on arrival in the Senate because of the cuts to the IRS. Also, Biden is maintaining that he will not pass an Israel aid bill that does not also include tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine. Of course, he originally wanted a $110 billion deal that combined aid for mostly Ukraine and Israel, as well as some funding for the southern border and other provisions as well. That is all I have for you guys. I want to thank you all for supporting this podcast. Of course, it means a lot to me. You could find this on your favorite apps. That includes Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, we're there. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Analyze Educate. That's all one word. Please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Analyze Educate. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating on the app used to listen to this podcast. That helps us out a lot as well. And also, we are on ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash Analyze Educate analyzeeducate.substack.com as well. And you could find all those links in the show notes below. I will see you guys soon.